What's the good word, frankly speaking? Back with more of the realness. I'm going to ride the wave of uh, pop culture this time to talk about one of my low-key favorite genres, documentaries. They used to be pretty much nerd status for the most part, but they've been gaining popularity with the whole true crime obsession, all the documentary series, and a few absolutely dominated social media. Uh, You may recall the Jinx on HBO and Making of a Murderer on Netflix. But with everybody chilling at home these days, another reminder, please stay your various shape, color, and size butts at home. At home, please. Anyway, documentaries are a popular flavor, as you know. Tiger King, I'm sure you've heard, has completely dominated social media in the world of memes. In fact, they even had to drop a brand new dose of stepped-on product just for the fiends. And then next week comes the long-awaited, highly anticipated, impending release of the 10-part Michael Jordan ESPN doc to give sports junkies a fix, which I'm one of them, ain't gonna lie, real talk, can't wait. But I always forget how much I enjoy documentaries until I'm glued to the screen, amazed at how much stranger or, you know, more interesting truth can be than fiction in the right hands or with the right subject. And you would be hard pressed to come up with a movie, documentary or subject as absolutely strange and insane as Tiger King and its central character, that wild, wild, wild cowboy Joe Exotic. It was an out-of-nowhere phenomenon that hijacked the attention of the masses. And of course, I have thoughts, man. As well as a diverse catalog of documentaries and documentary series available in the various streaming services, collecting our shekels on the monthly. So here comes more of the realness on the Tiger King and documentary tip, frankly speaking style, of course. All right, so I'm back, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to jump straight into the main course here. If you don't know about The Tiger King, it's a documentary about the insane world of uh, big cat slave drivers that start beefing and things turn into like a Hatfield versus McCoy's level of escalating conflict. If you don't know Hatfields versus McCoy's, Google it. But um, you probably do know what The Tiger King is, even if you're still holding out watching it, because everybody knows about it. It's been number one on Netflix for 15 straight days and has inspired a kajillion memes. Um, My apologies to people who haven't seen it yet. Feel free to fast forward like five minutes, but I have a few things I have to say. Number one, I am not trying to hear any of the free Joe Exotica nonsense. He is a lunatic that made his own bed of expired Walmart meat, meth, and steaming hot tiger turds, man. He definitely abused both animals and people, and his level of narcissism and recklessness results in the type of decision-making that lands you in either uh, politics, which somehow almost happened, or the bang, or both. And I mean, people say he got set up. Even if he did get set up, he was an accomplice in his own setup, and he deserves every one of the 80 years or whatever that he got. 
Number two, he definitely got set up, though. <laughs> Jeff Lowe and them were on some next-level snitching. I mean, I guess that's how they get down in Oklahoma, but in communist Russia or Bodymore Murderland, they definitely would have been capped for that. Uh, number three, Carol Baskins is a basket case. The nervous laugh tick was disconcerting before the whole disappearing husband trick and all her banana-in-the-tailpipe explanations of why he might be missing in that late-night heist of the will and the man's millions. Come on, man. Not to mention the dry snitching with the sardine oil. Also, you cannot take slaves, imprison them on your personal property, and call it freedom. That's not how abolition works. Carol. Number four, I'm asking for a friend here. Are um regular cat ladies as freaky as all these big cat people? Because, I mean, everybody in this dock was getting a freak on. Joe Exotica used weed, meth, and baby tigers to simultaneously marry two seemingly heterosexual jocks. Uh, Doc Ansel said, mind your business because his lifestyle is too high for TV. But dude definitely had a harem of big boo babes humping around like Bobby Brown. Jeff Lowe was uh, holding open tryouts for a, checking my notes here, unicorn? Really? That's what a unicorn is? Mm. Google that one, folks. This is a PG podcast with a damn yo here and a few scattered asses added for salt and pepper. Definitely not getting to that. Uh, meanwhile, Carol had her man on a leash, figuratively as well as literally, rocking a bam bam onesie. And are we sure no animals were hurt in the making of that onesie? <sighs> I'm saying, them people were freaky deaky. Um, I feel bad for a lot of people involved in this, but most importantly, I feel bad for the animals. Let's be real, real talk. I know this was a salacious, over-the-top documentary. The characters jumped off the screen like redneck Kardashians mixed with broken Looney Tunes. But it is important to remember, all of these people were absolutely terrible. From Carol Baskin representing the disturbed ideology of Florida Man to the twisted big cat church of Doc Antle in the redneckier state of the Carolinas, to the exact opposite of a criminal mastermind, Joe Exotic, who is literally in the running to become governor of Oklahoma, where the football fields are state-of-the-art and school books were written in faded crayon back in the days of Jim Crow, still celebrate the great Confederate victory over the North. Fake news, just in case you didn't know. I'm saying, even if posing with baby cubs is super cute and a great look for the gram, we do it for the gram. These people were abusive slave drivers who were definitely serving their self-interest first, foremost, and last of all. As quirky and crazy a ride as it was, it was not a comedy, folks. Tiger King is an American tragedy about the evil that humans do in the name of fame and fortune that we know all too well. Sorry, not sorry. Catch you on the flip with more hot docs. And real talk.
Hey guys and gals, hope everyone is being safe and smart and doing the right thing by staying at home. Crazy times though, right? This pandemic outbreak, COVID-19, has affected our societal, economic, and physical well-being unprecedented ways. As a member of the local Charlotte small business community, as well as the national and international service industry, uh, which have been such a part of our society at large, found ourselves so shaken to the core by this crisis. I want to give a shout out to some groups doing what they can to lend help at the time of need and let you know that if you have the means or desire, you can too. USBG has a bartender emergency assistance program, usbgfoundation.org. Children of Restaurant Employees is taking donations at coregives.org. The National Restaurant Association has the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, R-E-R-F dot U-S. And then there's also the ncrestaurantrelief.com site, also taking donations for those in need. If you want to touch your bartenders as well, which you know I appreciate it, you can go to serviceindustry.tips, choose your own city, maybe even find your bartender. Me personally, I'm in Charlotte with the cash app. Dollar sign, frankly speaking, just like the podcast, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y speaking. Same with the Venmo, uh, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y speaking. Um, Do what you can. It's appreciated. Hopefully, we'll catch you on the other side. Peace. Okay, so here we go back on the uh, documentary tip this one's kind of hard because um there are not approximately 2.5 trillion documentaries according to my count and not sure how many i've seen probably a hundred plus so uh kind of bear with me here gonna try and rip first through the uh historical and personal heavyweights of the genre um then i'm gonna drop some of my favorites I might even recommend taking notes for this one because it's going to be more dense than usual, but a lot of good stuff. So first thing, um, as a kid, obviously, I wasn't just checking for documentaries, but the first one that registered on my radar was called The Thin Blue Line because I had seen that on a Siskel and Ebert year in film review. And it was about a guy convicted for the murder of a police officer in Dallas, Texas, that he said he didn't commit. So I tried to watch it and I was way too young and the realism of it and the subject matter gave me nightmares straight up. So for real, for real, I was good on documentaries for a while after that. Then uh, I learned about Hoop Dreams from another Siskel and Ebert year in review episode. They were big fans of it. And at the time I was a big basketball fan, I was hooping myself, I was um big into the NBA. This was like mid late nineties, Jordan, UNC, Goat Heels. And uh I actually went out of my way to watch this one. Couldn't find it for a while at the local video store, Blockbuster, or whatever, taking it back. And uh finally I got to see it. And it was so good. I was so invested. It's about two kids from inner city Chicago who go to uh this Uh, high school that Isaiah Thomas played at so that they can you know first of all get out of the hood and go to college and then hopefully make the NBA and the thing is I thought that I was going to be watching the next NBA superstars but hardly man everything was a struggle 
And at the time, I was just so disappointed both for them and in them. Um, it was it was heartbreaking. But I just watched it again. And first of all, I can't believe I watched a damn near three-hour documentary as a teenager. But it also opened my eyes to the reality of damn near how impossible it is to do what Kobe and LeBron did, coming straight out of high school and becoming absolute Hall of Fame level NBA players. Because the reality is, forget becoming an iconic NBA superstar straight out of high school. Just making it out of the hood alone and into college takes a level of skill and perseverance and luck. And the idea of being one of the elite that can make the NBA, much less be NBA all-star, kind of clouds the blessing of being able to have the chance to get the education um, that your athletic talents allow you to get playing sports. Um, and that the kids from waiting t- for Superman <laughs> would love the type of opportunity they would absolutely love. I'll, I'll get back to that. But yeah, Hoop Dreams was really, really good. Really good. Um, staying on sports, full disclosure, I didn't actually see very much of Ken Burns baseball. I, I watched part of it, to be honest. Um, baseball is not my thing and parts I watched were dope. But um, neither Ken Burns Civil War, not to be confused with Captain America Civil War, <laughs> or Vietnam were available. And those I did watch in uh, the hours of my life that I didn't intend to spend watching them were just so enriched by this PBS documentary that I became a big fan. He also did jazz. And so even though um, I didn't see baseball, unlike Vietnam and unlike Civil War, Ken Burns baseball is on Amazon Prime. And it also doesn't carry the emotional baggage the other one. So I have no problem recommending it without having seen it because Ken Burns is the goat of documentaries. So again, recommendation at the highest level. Speaking of documentaries and emotional baggage and goat status, uh, Roger Moore, <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Moore, uh, his critical darling of a debut, Roger and me, and then the uh, blockbuster hit that came out of nowhere, Fahrenheit 9-11 with Stanley, um, the apex of Michael Moore's career was bowling for Columbine. Now, I know a lot of people just automatically hear the name Michael Moore and associate him with this liberal firebrand, you know, status that they want no part of. But straight up, man, Bowling for Columbine was one of his trademark satirical but serious deep dives. And this one was into the culture surrounding guns that's so unique to America. It chronicles the political and the social and the economic excuses that we constantly run back in the face of all the nonsense, all the unprecedented horrors of the rampant gun violence that's, again, super unique to America. This does not happen everywhere else. Somehow, almost 20 years after the release of the documentary, not only have we failed to make ground, but this culture has developed an even more caustic and tragic relationship with gun violence, man. I mean, from the casualties of inner city streets in places like New Orleans and Beemore and Chicago to the domestic violence in homes across the country, to these unprecedented mass shooting tragedies. You know, the top five deadliest shootings in American history all happened since this movie came out 20 years ago. And I mean, despite the warnings of the documentary, 
they would seem unthinkable. The Vegas shooting still doesn't ring bells like it should. That it's it's absurd. So even though Bowling for Columbine is super politically motivated, that's the point, and it's done brilliantly. Highly recommend that. Um, what else? Uh, this year's Academy Award winner for Best Documentary was called American Factory, and that's available on Netflix. Um, it's the story of what happens when this dead Ohio factory gets brought back to life by some Chinese investors. And so, you know, they bring back all of these blue-collar jobs in the community, but they also bring in a injection of Chinese labor into this small town. And throw them all together and the resulting culture clash of like the east and the west on a factory floor with all of the international business in the background and the local relationships and how all of that kind of blends together is it's fascinating another excellent one excellent one uh finally historically speaking you know the greats that's what i'm kind of trying to talk about some of the highly respected and critically adored documentaries part of the reason it's not tv it's hbo is because of how much excellent work they've done in the business of amazing documentaries for i guess decades now um recently docs like the jenks that blew up the internet going clear that expose on scientology that was a wild one or of course the super controversial mj sexual allegation doc leaving neverland broke the internet and got Oprah Winfrey fricasseed by black Twitter, black Twitter, I should say. Um, those were the latest examples and, you know, varied examples of HBO doing what HBO does best, using their skill and their budget and the creativity to just create something brand new. And same goes for documentaries about larger-than-life characters from real life, ranging from Princess Diana to Jane Fonda, Andre the Giant to Diego Maradona, Gloria Steinem to Heidi Fleiss, David Bowie, Robin Williams, Steven Spielberg. History got the long, thoughtful looks. You know, Nixon in his own words was excellent. Obama's Last Days, Children of Ebola, the strange history of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But the ones that affected me the most were the inherent tragedies uh, four little girls three shots 10 minutes uh, spike lee's when the levees broke child murders at paradise hills the life and death of sandra bland i definitely cannot recommend the traumatizing experience of there's something wrong with aunt diane that one really really hurt but it's by far one of the most gripping documentaries and overall pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. So I just wanted to give that a shout out. Um, so again, <laughs> all due respect to the escapism of Joe Exotic going back and forth with Carol Baskins. But if you, you know, you're, you're watching documentaries and you're into the true crime stuff, maybe take a little bit of time when you're done with the Zoom meetings and Benjamin Ozark and the box math homeschooling. I keep getting on that box math, yo. I don't understand it. But maybe take some time to check out one of the kajillion brilliant docs available on HBO or the brilliance of Ken Burns or Michael Moore and his trademark liberal stylings that are available. And um, get some perspective, you know.
history is rough. There's a lot of examples of times, experiences worse than what we're going through right now. And those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. So after one more shout out, I'll be back with some of my favorite documentaries. Catch you on the flip. And we're back. So, went through the little history section and some of the greats and already jumped into the main course. So, I think I'm just going to drop a veritable meat and cheese plate. A little wine tasting of documentaries to sample. Uh, if you know anything about wine, you know you'd usually go light to dark. But I want to go out on a positive tip and be optimistic like sounds of blackness as long as you keep your head to the sky you can win be optimistic yo i have a terrible voice but it's a great song if you haven't heard it you should listen to it sounds of blackness be optimistic that was the joint anyway anyway um back to docs and the sampling gonna go dry to sweet instead with the pinky up in the air so uh gave hbo a lot of love but the Netflix documentary game is dope, too. So I want to start out with a shout out to Ava DuVernay and 13th. Very dry, but in-depth look at race and the prison industrial complex as modern day slavery. See what I mean? Light viewing, right? But it does do a really, really good job of showing the reality of what's going on without being overly preachy or staging drama just for drama's sake. Highly recommended. Huh. Talk about dry. Waiting for Superman. I mentioned that earlier. I don't know what's more heartbreaking. The actual story itself about the kids living in different cities across the country populated with schools and teachers that are just flat out unequipped to fulfill these children's appetite to learn or the systematic failure of the education system that seems to have only gotten worse as we span the different generations and administrations of both parties or the film's ending that's just totally heartbreaking where it turns the charter school lottery system into a emotionally manipulative climax or the fact that I can't even find out what happened to any of these kids 10 years later. The answer is all of the above, but believe it or not, there is hope to be gained from the heartbreak of this brilliant doc. And uh, I highly recommend it. And uh, you can catch this on Amazon Prime. Uh, next, let me do let me say that I did love Citizen Four, um, the documentary about Edward Snowden. On the other hand, man, I don't like Edward Snowden. I don't respect Edward Snowden. I don't trust Edward Snowden. I know a lot of liberals and progressive thinks he did some great thing by exposing the fact that we're being spied on by our government. And I mean, hey, feel free. And I guess after watching this documentary, I understand his perspective a little bit more. It was definitely a fascinating look at a guy who's smart enough to steal national secrets, but either dumb enough to release them without a plan or his plan was to lay up in Russia on some new level shiesty. I mean, yo, this dude is in Russia, man. This dude stole U.S. secrets and bounced to Russia. 
And then before he bounced to Russia, um, what was going on in Russia? Seemed to be under control with Sarah Palin watching him from her house in Alaska. And they were shooting missiles on the computer system that looked like Oregon Trail. Watch out for the dysentery and those oxen-stealing thieves, man. But all of a sudden, Edward Snowden ends up in Russia, and now they're intricately manipulating the 2016 election and hacking into the DNC. Also the RNC, but they only released emails from the DNC, so, I mean, I'm just saying. Um, Look, you need to watch this documentary. It's got me worked up. It gets me worked up. Um, it's really fascinating. And we all know America and its surveillance policies are shysty as hell. But so is Edward Snowden. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. And I can't throw him nowhere because he's sitting up in Russia somewhere collecting checks from the Russians or the books, he says something out, man. Anyway, Citizen Four um, is available free on Check my notes here. Voodoo with ads and something called Tubi. Tubi. Hmm. To be or not to be. Anyway, uh, I mentioned the 10 part documentary, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, that's debuting uh, its first two parts this Sunday night on ESPN. And uh, speaking of documentaries, ESPN was killing the game and has been killing the game with the phenomenal 30 for 30 series i highly suggested highly but they took it to another level with oj made in america which was also an academy award best documentary winner and for good reason uh it was seven hours of excellence covering one of the most fascinating and controversial people and crimes of the 20th century and i mean it had a level of nuance and history and perspective top level stuff i i learned a lot um, it made me care about O.J. more than I ever have because I never really cared about O.J. I remember when he was in the Ford Bronco and I was a kid and I was just trying to watch the finals, the Knicks versus the Rockets. And they got O.J. and He's driving on the Ford Bronco and I'm hoping he blow his brains out so I can get back to watching sports because the only thing I knew him from was Naked Gun anyway. So anyway, um, you can find that on the ESPN app. And speaking of O.J., who's out here with the second worst use of Twitter for flagrant self-promotion and bloviating nonsense. Sit your ass down, OJ. Sit your ass down. Uh, next up, uh, three identical strangers. The less said about that, the better. But much like Tiger King, it would be an absolutely insane idea for a movie if it weren't true. And in just a tight 90-minute runtime it's able to uh pack highs and lows and twists and turns sort of like tiger king but with a much shorter runtime and with real humanity that those uh slave driving big cat crooks and con artists can't buy in okie doke oklahoma or land of florida man um i cannot recommend Three Identical Strangers enough. You can also check that on Amazon Prime or Hulu. And then finally, like I said, going to go out with some sweetness here. Um, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Could you be mine? Would you be mine? Um, 
the fictional dramatization between the all-American Fred Rogers, played by the American icon Tom Hanks and the reporter doing the story on him, was magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Um, But the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, about the life and times of the real Fred Rogers and his mission to get people in touch with their emotions is absolutely chicken soup for the soul. And at a moment like this, where we solely, dearly need that type of sweetness and that type of just greatness that he represented, I can't recommend it highly enough for the entire family. Grab the kids, grab the wife, grab the hubby, and take some time to get in touch with your emotions at an emotional time. Because we all have them. And it's important to recognize the power that they have over us, but more importantly, the power that we have over them. Emotions are important. They're an important part of us, and they help us cope with the situations that we're dealing with. And we're dealing with quite a situation right now. So now more than ever, highly recommend Won't You Be My Neighbor? And just the doctrine of Fred Rogers and what he was about. So... There you go, folks. You know, dry, sweet, like I promised. Some documentary excellence. So check them out. And uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. Real talk. That's a wrap. (laughs) 